I think that one of the struggles in the current world is everybody is right about everything. And so pick what you like, believe what you want, and we're all right. We know, we know intrinsically that that doesn't work, but that is the culture that we're in. And that is the culture our students are growing up in. So how I behave, what I believe about God, about myself, about others, I can just kind of make that up as I go if I, if I would like to, because if my truth is, just comes from me, then, you know, it, my whole life is about me and how I operate in the world, just, I just make it up as I go along. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Hey, great to be here. Jeff and Jason with you on the Thought Factory podcast. Thanks for joining us. As always, we hope you subscribe and jump in on this conversation with us regularly as we talk about students, their belief, their behavior and culture, and what we can do as adults to help guide them into their faith as Christians. Now, in this conversation we have today, we're talking with someone who is deeply into the world of apologetics when it comes to faith and reason. We've had her teach on national platforms that we've shared. Her name is Michelle Rewa. We'll introduce her in a minute. But she is talking about six fundamental and foundational questions that students are asking You may not even know what these questions are, but you need to hear this episode where we talk about the first three and the next episode where we talk about the last three because your students are asking and answering these questions that will build a foundation for the rest of their life when it comes to faith and reason. And Michelle gives us great insight, Jason, into some of the reasons, some of the logic, even science, but how we can help students navigate these questions properly and most important, biblically. And you may hear these questions and go, they're not asking me these questions. Yeah, exactly. They may not be asking you these questions. They may not be asking anybody these questions, but they are asking themselves even subconsciously these questions and trying to answer them themselves based on their worldview, based on their experience, based on what they are presented with in class. They are going to be answering these questions and it directs their life. And so that's why you say it's fundamental and it's foundational because when they start to answer it, that is away from a godly worldview, a biblical worldview, then they go down the road that is away from their faith. And so it is, it is crucial that we are willing to have these conversations in our own space to allow doubt or allow conversation that will lead them to a correct answer when answering these questions. So today we are so fortunate to have a guest with us, Michelle Rewa. And Michelle has a great background in youth ministry. Eight years she's been serving. I take credit for her being my last recruit. She's shaking her head no, but it's true. My last recruit as a youth pastor in my youth pastoring days. Now she's shaking her head because she actually reached out to me and said, hey, I want to serve, but... Actually, I think she's shaking her head because I'm actually Googling her right oh, now to, to be informed about this interview because I didn't, I didn't actually do the research ahead of time. So I'm doing it right now live 
while we're recording this, and so I'm trying to. She's shaking her head because she there can see I it on the am. screen on the monitor. LinkedIn. She uh, is LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I am on so LinkedIn. you are you are high profile. Must be a professional. <laughs> so Michelle has a background in apologetics, and we've served in several capacities. One of the most important, I think, to note here for us is that. She does a six-hour intensive course for students on apologetics, answering six foundational questions for students, and she's going to be sharing those with us today. So, Michelle, it is so good to have you here. Thank you for having me. We're excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You're excited too? Yeah, you looked at me like I'm supposed to be excited, and I I could tell you. I gave the official response that people always say when they're invited to participate. Thank you for having me. Yes. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. It's an honor to be here. Good. Great. And in my experience, seeing Michelle, seeing you firsthand with students, you have a great natural way of connecting with them. And for a lot of our youth pastors, youth workers listening, you are one of those solid gold people that serve week in and week out in the lives of students in the trenches. You have a full-time job. You're married. You have kids. You have a family. You've got a lot going on in your life, but, but you've given a lot of your expertise and passion to students and youth workers and we're excited about that and at NTS camp you've done this you've done this intensive course called foundations we're excited to bring you back this summer again you've done it for upperclassmen it's some pretty heady stuff but more and more in our information age it seems like it's important for students to not just have information but good information mm-hmm when it comes to faith and reason. And that's really been your passion. And just really quickly, before we dive into the questions, talk a little bit about your experience in high school and where some of this passion began to arise in your life. Okay. Well, I went to public school, good public school, Um, had a good experience in school at the time. So I'm old. This was about 20 years ago. I feel like Culturally, everybody kind of went to church on Sunday. Maybe not everybody believed everything, but it was part of our our community anyway that everybody was very churched. So most of my friends would have called themselves Christians. I went off to a Christian college. Um, the world has been changing, right, since then. And I feel like a lot of the peer group that I had at that time who all went to church every Sunday, wasn't necessarily prepared to face the changing culture and stay connected to their faith in a committed way. Um, I graduated from college and got married, started my family. We got involved in a Bible study that was across a couple of different churches, and we started pursuing some of these conversations about apologetics. And I guess I should step back and say... During my high school years, I had the opportunity to spend a week at uh, Summit Ministries, which is a camp out in Colorado Springs that was intensive training about these types of topics. Um, What do you believe and why do you believe it? And just kind of solidifying um, those thoughts. So sorry, I'm out of order. So anyway, back to the future. Um, I... I was part of this group. We had these conversations kind of on a weekly basis. It was all a bunch of 30-plus-year-olds talking about controversial topics, and everybody agreed. And week after week, I would go and think, I should really be enjoying this. And week after week, I left thinking, why is this no fun for me? Everybody agrees about everything. They've already all made up their minds. This is no fun. Who is really dealing with these questions? 
And it's really students, high school students, middle school to an extent, but primarily high school students up into the college years where colleges are more and more um, challenging young people who have grown up with a faith background to either leave that behind or become kind of apathetic about it. Yeah, that's when I just kind of got the bug to get involved and say, what can I do to support young people as they walk this journey and head off to challenges as they enter the adult world? So we're going to dive into these six questions, Michelle, but I want to mention here at the beginning, hopefully we'll remember at the end that you've written a blog series for us a couple years ago, and we're going to link all of those blog posts and each one of those questions has a separate blog that you have written Mm -hmm. and we're going to connect those to the companion blog to this podcast and you can find that at neverthesame.org slash blog so i want to mention that now jason anything else before we get into these six questions no that is all you needed to remember at this point in time okay (laughs) perfect we're doing well so far so we're going to ask the questions as you ask them in your foundations course but your first question is with students, is there evidence for a creator? So talk about that. Okay. So our first question is kind of a step back from a personal challenge. I need to decide if the the future questions are even worth it. If there is no creator, if I can look at the world and say we're all an accident and I don't, I don't see God, um, then I don't even need to answer the rest of them. So we start with this question about a creator because Everything flows from that. The rest of your life choices, to an extent, flow from your answer, if you believe there is a God or if there's not. So we start there. Now, most of our students are growing up in um, public school settings. We don't talk about a creation or a creator in public school settings for the most part. And I have a science background, so my degree is actually in science. I love science. It is it is sad that there are so few committed Christians in the greater science community. So we want to approach this question, is there evidence for a creator? Looking at it from the standpoint of what does everyone agree on? What does the evidence show us about the beginnings of the universe, about um, uh, life as it currently exists, about life as it may have existed what does every both sides agree on and how can we interpret that? Science is difficult because it's constantly changing. So the nature of this area is something that you have to constantly keep up on. I think a lot of people um, shy away from it because they don't feel equipped. So what you learned in school, what your teachers were teaching in school 20 years ago is not necessarily what is being taught anymore. It's there, We have constantly more information, and information is shared everywhere across the globe now instantly as well. So we hide a little bit from the science conversations. Most people in youth ministry don't go read science articles for a hobby. <laughs> and so when their students are wrestling with we're talking about um, coming up out of the primordial soup and the church is teaching God is the creator. Where do they have those conversations about how, what's right, what's wrong, where's the truth? How do I figure this out? It's difficult. And most, most people in youth ministry, most volunteers 
don't have the answers for that. I would say that while everything is constantly changing, we do, and we're in a soundbite world, right? But the blogs, the soundbite blogs, if you have good resources available, if you can find credible resources, it can be really easy to keep up on some of these conversations. It can be five minutes out of your week to take a look. And if you have a student who is is showing their own interest, because many students in one ear and out the other, it doesn't matter to them. But if you have a student who's showing interest and is struggling in this area, there is so much available out there for you to help them think through these things and come up with answers. So we talk about, is there evidence for a creator? We take it very broadly. You can't get nitpicky about things. So as a youth leader, why should I try to answer that question then? Well, you may be the only person students ask. I mean, mom and dad will... Okay, so let's start with this. Everybody comes at that question already with a predetermined bias. Whether you whether you fall in the creation category or the evolution category, you already have something in the back of your mind where you're leaning already. So students have grown up maybe in a household that, that um, promotes one idea. The school is promoting an idea and they may need to get an answer from a source outside of the standard. What do you think? I mean, you are a real life person for them. You are, I hope engaged with them, having discussions about some deeper issues, and they may not ask anybody else. And a lot of times the the fake news that they're getting, (laughs) a lot of times the information that they're getting is um, not always very credible, but they don't know that. I think to being willing to go out and look for answers with them is half the battle. If a student knows that you are open to Having that conversation, if it's something that you find the least bit interesting, just from a standpoint of it being controversial, it can be fun. And giving them perspective that they may not get from someone else, I mean, that's where it's valuable. They may not agree with you in the end, and that's okay, but it's important to be open to that. You bring up a great point about how it's really necessary to create spaces and environments in a ministry setting where students can feel like they can ask open questions like that. Is there a God? What is the evidence? I remember, as we're sitting here, a student that came to me at one point and said, I'm really struggling. I'm an atheist. I want to talk with someone about it. And we went through the Richard Dawkins book, The God Delusion. Mm -hmm. And we walked through that step-by-step, read it together, and had this great dialogue. And what you're saying is so true and so important. And I think those of us listening to this that are in youth ministry world, we need to think about how can we create a space where we're speaking truth, but also allowing there to be an environment where questions can be asked without judgment being passed. Right. Well, and this this can be a difficult area because if a student comes to the conclusion that the evolutionary path is true and it conflicts with what I'm seeing in the Bible, now all of a sudden my world can come apart. You know, I mean, there there can be a huge crisis of faith if I don't have someone who is willing 
to at least have those conversations with me and say, okay, well, let's see what we can find out this week and we'll talk about it again next week. So sometimes the sciences seem like, well, that's just for school. But really, I mean, all truth is God's truth, right? And and if we are if we are afraid of having those conversations with our students or unwilling, it's too much work, well then we lose all our credibility with everything else anyway. So yes, you may feel like I have I know nothing about this, but Again, there's so much out there, so such quick ways to learn things. And that's part of building relationships, too, is is diving into what they're interested in and discussing what they may want to figure out. And so as you talk about evidence for a creator is a foundational question. Like you said, it could allow their faith to unravel if it's not matching up with the worldview that they're coming with and the biblical worldview and and you mentioned credibility and even fake news, and we live in a time where what is credible? What is what is a source that we can trust? And many times a youth leader is a person that we can trust because Absolutely. we have built that relationship. And so if we're not willing to step into a realm outside of the Bible and say, outside of the Bible, science still points to this, what is in the Bible. And look at how science and creation can be partnered. Right. Absolutely. And so when you talk about credibility, fake news comes down to truth. So the next question that you have that you ask as a foundational question is where does my truth come from? I think that one of the struggles in the current world is everybody is right about everything. And so pick what you like, believe what you want, and we're all right. We know, we know intrinsically that that doesn't work, but that is the culture that we're in. And that is the culture our students are growing up in. So how I behave, what I believe about God, about myself, about others, I can just kind of make that up as I go if I, if I would like to, because if my truth is just comes from me, then, you know, it, my whole life is about me and how I operate in the world just I just make it up as I go along. Or maybe I've chosen why why is the Bible true versus uh, some holy book from some other religion. You know, so many of our students grow up in church settings. Mom and dad are Christians. They take them to church every sun- Sunday, so I automatically am too. But I haven't really thought about why that might be. And so I go off into the world and someone says, well, you just believe this because you grew up in a house where this was how it was. You were just born into this. And if you were born over in India, you would believe something completely different. And that would be true for you. And somehow we have to help our students get it, get an understanding that truth is concrete and directs, needs to direct our lives. But we need to have a, um, we need to have a basis for that. So as Christians, we believe the Bible is true, but how come? And I don't think we talk about that in the church very often. We just make this blanket assumption that we will all agree. And again, most of the adults in the room either agree or they don't, but they don't talk about that. And students wrestle with, but how come? So you stand in front of a group and talk from, speak from the Bible, and is it just a book of 
nice, wise things that I should consider? Or does it have authority to speak into my life? So as we talk about where does my truth come from, we really need to get down to the crux of, is the Bible true? And how can I know that it is? Or is it just another self-help manual like every other book out there? And I just need to find the one I like the best. And I don't know that we are preparing students to think through the why behind the what. So uh, in, youth, in a youth ministry setting, um, how often are we showing students evidence? Again, we go come back to evidence. How often are we showing students evidence that supports why the Bible is the truth, as opposed to the Quran, for instance? Now, one of my favorite things about your teaching and approach to the authenticity of the Bible is this little acronym that you made up. <laughs> yes. Pause. Pause. Not like not animals. Not like doggy. Okay. Not, not like do- animal not footprints. Little, not a puppy dog. Pause. pause like when someone asks you why you believe the Bible is true, pause. You pause. You. And you think about these five reasons. And let's hear them. the Bible. P stands for prophecy, which is, it's, it's important. Well, this is hard because when we talk about this with students, we kind of go in a roundabout way and then we come up with the acronym at the end. There oh, are things tricky. outside of the Bible that support it and there are things inside of the Bible that support it. You can't get up in front of students and say, well, the Bible is true because the Bible says that it is true, right? Poor logic. And they're smart enough to know that. So... That might work for your like kindergartner, but it doesn't work for a 17-year-old. So prophecy is one of those internal evidences in the Bible where we can look at books that were written thousands of years before something actually came to pass. Things that people would have no control over causing to happen because they knew a prophecy that had been written years earlier. Specifically, when we look at the life of Jesus, you know, he can't He can't control where he is born or what his family line is. So we have this internal evidence to support the Bible prophecy. P. P. A stands for archaeology. There are Bible societies. There are are Jewish societies that go into great uh, research and do lots of amazing things and find lots of amazing things that support archaeology as a support for the Bible. There are people who don't even believe or follow the Bible who study biblical archaeology. So you should, we should be able to look at archaeology through time, what is happening today and what has happened in the past, and find that it supports what the Bible tells us. So there are times when people have kind of scorned the Bible and said, well, look, we see no evidence for this having happened in the archaeological record. And then over time, as more is uncovered, we find that the Bible was right after all. We just didn't know it yet. So archaeology is one of those external evidences for the Bible. A. That was A. You, I'm going to say for the end because it's my favorite one. So That's skip not how a letter. You spell pause. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well. We'll come back to the U. All right. S. It's a cliffhanger. Yes. It's the best one for me anyway. S stands for, it can stand for uh, scribes or scrolls. It basically gets down to manuscript evidence. So when we look at the Old Testament and how it was preserved over time, we can see that there was not room for error to creep in as 
years and years and years past. We look at some other holy books, I say in quotation marks, and we know uh, historically that there were times when copies and copies were rounded up and burned so that someone could preserve the one version that they liked and then continue that moving forward. We don't have any any evidence of that happening with the Bible. But sometimes people like to look at the Bible and say, well, it was like playing telephone for 2,000 years. You know, obviously there were errors. But when you ask, well, show me one of those errors, people can't give you a direct answer. So when you, when you study how the Bible has been preserved by scribes, when you look at things like the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found, and they are thousands, a thousand years older than anything that had existed in the world before that time, and yet they are identical to like 99%, we can look at manuscript evidence and say, we can trust what is written. Whether we choose to believe it or not, we can say that it was accurately preserved. Yes. E, which should be our last letter, but it's not. E stands for eyewitness accounts. So when we look at the New Testament, we either have books that were written by people who were there, or we have someone writing the story of an eyewitness who was there. So sometimes the argument when it comes to the New Testament is legend, like, you know, over time, this idea of Jesus has just grown and grown and grown. And he, we took him and he was just this carpenter who stumbled into Jerusalem one day and, you know, got executed. And we've turned him into a king. And that was never the intent. That's kind of the attitude. But when historians look at the Gospels specifically, they were written. There was not time for legend to grow. There were too many people living at the time that the New Testament was written for it to have been turned into a big exaggeration. You know, Paul was writing to the early church, people who had seen what had happened in the life of Christ and seen miracles that had happened. We had eyewitnesses who wrote, and we had eyewitnesses who read the early, what has become the New Testament. So E stands for eyewitnesses, either either specifically or kind of one removed. We don't have... Um, For instance, like this Gospel of Thomas stuff where 400 years after the time of Christ, someone has unearthed another gospel. Um, It it doesn't have the same weight as what we have in the scripture because so much time had passed in between the two. We don't have any credible um, authorship for something like that. And so um, the eyewitness, the E for eyewitnesses is really giving credibility to the New Testament. Again, you may not believe what is written there. But we don't have any evidence to suggest that it's just a bunch of stories that have been made up. Okay, E, and you. finally, your favorite. My favorite, the one that is in the middle, U, stands for unity. That's it? That's it. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Unity. It kind of brings the word together. It yeah, does. it's nice, and it's, it's right, right in the middle. middle. Wow. Yeah. I never thought about that uh, before. You can, you can use that one. Okay, I'll keep that. Um, Credit U, free. U stands for unity. I think this is, and this is another piece of internal evidence for the scripture, but we have a book that was written over a period of 1,500 years. We, it was written in multiple languages. There were approximately 40 authors. They wrote on different continents. So we have all these people writing all this story down. It is one story. It, is, it has unity We can see from the beginning of the Bible through the end God's story about man, about sin, about redemption. And 
these people were writing all independently of one another, oftentimes thousands of years apart, not even aware how this would come together. And for me personally, that is something that is unexplainable. We have the choice to say, I, I, I don't care about that and I'm just going to still walk away from it. But evidence, like we need to provide our students with evidence that at least to, to know, to provide them support. No other book in history can be supported as well as we have support for the Bible. We don't sit around and question uh, Aristotle and Plato about their writing. We just take it as, as what they wrote. And yet the Bible comes under all kinds of attack and consistently can stand up to that attack. It is not just a fairy tale written by a bunch of people trying to control a bunch of other people. It is too broad and too big for that. And our students need to know why they can trust it more than just because the church says so. Third question. What do I believe about Jesus? You discuss this with students in this yes. course. This is one of my favorite questions. When I was a little girl, I can remember coming out of a mire, and there was a lady asking for contribution to some ministry. And my mom said, well, what do you believe about Jesus? This is such an important question. Every student should think about this every time they are engaged in a conversation with someone about faith, because this question is defining for everyone. What do you believe about Jesus? And I think sometimes the hard part for students is that they can't see Jesus all the way through the story. They understand the miracle of his birth and they understand the death and the resurrection but they don't see him outside of this little piece of the center of the bible and so when we talk to students about what you believe about jesus we need to give them more we need to show them where he shows up all throughout scripture why why did he even need to come here you know we need to talk about man what what is man outside of apart from God. This question comes into a personal question about my faith, but then it also leads me to understand where other people are in their faith too. And we, again, have a world that says, well, we all just believe in the same God and we just call him by different names. Okay, but Jesus is this defining factor when it comes to that kind of an attitude. What? If we all believe in the same God, how come we don't all call him Jesus? Um, and I've had a student say to me before, well, I really like the idea of a higher power. Why do I need to use the name of Jesus? And I can't think she's the only one who is thinking along those lines because in her, in her peer group, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I want to be tolerant of all ideas. Everything, again, we're back to where does your truth come from? Everything has equal weight and just because I have a different idea doesn't mean it's better than your idea. And come on, that's, I mean, that's just not true. And we know it is not true, but it is the world we live in. So we've gone through the first three foundational questions from Michelle, and we're going to get to the next three in the next segment. So join us for part two of this podcast when we get back to the other three questions. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.